The Block Talk podcast started because of my passion for the property management industry. I wanted to start a conversation and add some value within the industry with a diverse range of people and professionals who can add something extra. As we start out, my aim is that the podcast offers some useful insight into a variety of views, opinions, thoughts, and foresights from our guests who include business leaders and industry experts. If you enjoy the podcast and want to find out any other information, head on over to brianwelsh.co.uk. So I spoke to Zoe um, afterwards about it. And, um, you know, I think people were disagreeing based on opinion um, rather than the data, which which Zoe had. Um, And I think, you know, those opinions are probably driven from their own experience. You know, like me, when I was um, young and coming through my early steps of my career, I think people wanted different things in those days. And you know, there there were different ambitions. So what I was told to do was to get fast promotions, put in a lot of hours, um, show a lot of dedication, presenteeism, don't leave before the managing director leaves. All that stuff, you know, was from a kind of uh, a sort of ma- a more macho culture, I guess, yeah. you know, in, in the workplace. Um, and you know, if I reflect on that and say, well, those are the things, did I want those things, you know, and also did other people want them at the time? Certainly it's true that people don't want them now. Um, so I think the whole thing has moved on and it's important that we shift our expectations of what people want on, on the data today, rather than how we felt when we were at their age. Yeah, I, I think it's always difficult because you have preconceptions, don't you, of 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 this is how my career started and and um this is how I was when I was that um that age. But it but if that's all you look at, then nothing ever changes, does it? You just you end up in a in a continual um a continual cycle of 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 nothing changing. And I okay. guess you know, there are people out there who who do want quick promotion, they do want advancement, they do want the salary increases undoubtedly those people exist Um, but um, you know that's not the majority any longer. So when you think about the future of property management what do you see today? I think with the the sort of the new uh, IRPM diploma uh, and and the sort of changes that have been have been going on there's a I think it'll be a much more professional and, and more respected industry it'll be getting away from that historic negative reputation uh, and hopefully people will be seeing it as for what it is. It's it's, it's a company that's there uh, to to manage and, and and look after where you live uh, to to keep that envi- the whole environment uh, up to up to a good standard. Um, so hopefully with the sort of the new IRP PM diploma will raise the bar and uh, increase the the talent pool as well. Uh, and as I said, yeah a higher rate of staff retention within the industry is key as well to keep these experts that have done their training, keep them in the industry and, and also for the, the future of the likes of the PMAS as well. See the, the younger, uh, younger blood coming through as well and joining. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Cause I think you, you did some, 
you, I, I know you're very keen on kind of giving your staff support and things like that. In fact, I think mm-hmm. you got some, was it Kyle that came in to do some work with you as well previously mm-hmm. to help help your staff to kind of that, that customer service level? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we got we got Kyle Murta and uh, and we've done a couple of sessions uh, on public speaking and presentations, but also for how to deal with uh, sort of owners' meetings, how to control the meeting, and and deal with any sort of uh, difficult difficult people or or anything like that, and and that's made a real real difference. It, even if it's just boosting the confidence of our staff, uh, but it's it's them tools as well to help them. Yeah, well, that's it. They've they've got the skills where now they can run effective meetings, and they don't they don't dread going to a meeting. Uh, they know how to to deal with it, and and yeah, and, and then we brought Kyle in to sort of do a, as one of the speakers at the conference as well, uh, yeah. and and yeah, seemed to go down very well. I think I think the biggest challenge to me personally has been opening the Dundee office because um, I, I am I am the original member of the, the Dundee office for James Gibb. Um, right. Like I got I, I started the week before lockdown in in, in March twenty twenty. <laughs> so wow. um, it, it it was it was quite a it was quite a big challenge not only operating remotely um and, until we established an office but obviously operating within the difficult times that were covid yeah. um yeah. because pe- people people had more time to to consider yeah. their factor um which um which meant that, that they held us to account a little bit more than they they normally would have when they have busy day-to-day lives um yeah. but like it was it was an interesting time um and we are now you know, we're now an office of of myself for for development managers and 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 support support staff. So we have grown we've grown a lot within within the three year window. Yeah, no, no, I do. It's funny. I I had conversations with a number of um, people within the industry, owners of of property factoring companies, and people working in the industry, and and they reckoned that the number of calls during COVID um, went up anywhere between 20 and 40 percent because obviously people are sitting looking out the window aren't they and they're not at work so they're they're you know they're they're, they're noticing things or they're or they won't ask questions and these sort of things because so i can imagine it wasn't the easiest thing in the world to do. yeah and, and and obviously people spending a lot of time within within home um start yeah. to appreciate a little bit more what they have and, and maybe want to look at bettering that and um, certainly yeah. I think I think all of us have invested a little bit more in our property in the last three years than we probably ever would have done, um, yeah. and and that you know that goes the same for communally. Um, I suppose people would like that environment that they're stuck in through through lockdown to to look that little bit nicer, don't they? Yeah, yeah. The funding that we provide is exclusively for um, social housing providers, but that can be social housing providers, um, uh, registered social landlords, um, who are for their factored properties as well so right. we don't have support for um private factors but there is support there for um kind of social factors as well but the the guidance and the best practice um you know that's available for everybody um we'll get people who get in touch um for you know any property and can provide you know support and guidance on oh, okay. you know solutions for them as well 
Okay, so say a, a kind of private factor manages a, I don't know, a tenement that has eight properties in it. They can get yeah. kind of, and, and they have an issue with this, they can get best practice sort of ideas from you guys as to where to put in storage and things like that. Exactly, yeah. Um, and there can be, you know, specific information around planning um, guidance that, that um, might be required to this new permitted development uh, legislation that came in in 2021. So a lot of people aren't aware of that. And, you know, this is kind of information that's quite niche. So we wouldn't expect lots of people to have kind of a good background on. So we're happy to share the, the information and best practice that we've developed over the, the last few years with the Socialising Fund. Okay, interesting, interesting. Um, so um, f- uh, let's think about fire safety. So fire safety is always something that people need to be aware of. What's your best advice for this um, aspect of cycle storage? I suppose it's awareness that um, you know fire safety is a responsibility of all the kind of duty holders involved in a, a property. So often, you know, homeowners or um, um, tenants who are letting properties aren't aware that they are also a duty holder um, as well as the factor or the the landlord um, for the kind of fire safety responsibilities. Um, So keeping the communal areas clear um, of bikes is not just, you know, the responsibility of the factor of the landlord, it's their responsibility as well. Um, And God forbid, if anything was to happen, um, it would be kind of shared responsibility of everyone. The um, Using the available space is is a you know a, a great way of dealing with the fire safety issues. Um, we we try where possible to um, kind of use any unused space in a building, um, whether it be bin stores. If something is, um, you know, often people have at some point in the property moved from wheelie bins to euro bins, and there's there's a space there which can be kind of retrofitted, and um, you know to, we can provide support on on that as well. Any views on this kind of Gen Z, sorry, Z, and, you know, how, you know, the difference that from, I guess, us to them in the workplace? Any views on that? Yeah, I, I think I understand what you're speaking about. Um, I think there's the temptation to be controversial here, um, <laughs> which I'm, I never am, as you know. Um but I think I think that I think that we're going through a moment in time just now. You hear a lot of politicians talking about pendulums moving yeah. um, from from one side to the other, and you know I, I, I strongly believe that um, you know we're going to see the pendulums in this position. It's going to come back, and I think I think people gravitate to common sense. Yeah, ultimately, right? Because you have to, you know. You know, it, it, most people have the same objectives in life, and it's how they achieve those objectives. And at the moment, if the if if there's a sway of opinion that says, "Oh, we should do it this way," now this is the best way to do that. But then, if that turns out not to be right, um, which I which I believe that there's a culture at the moment um, that might not be quite right or quite set, quite settled. Rather, yeah. Um, then I think you'll see that 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 swing back at, at, at some point. Um, certainly not to, you know, the position it was it was twenty years ago. Because there's there's you know we we want you know we want people to enjoy what they do. Yeah, we want people to, um, you know, get all of the benefits out of having 
a stable career. Um, but you know, we 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 just I think we just need to be cautious that um, you know people need to understand that work is work, and yeah. you know everything outside that is outside that. You've got your work time. How how do you how do you maximise the, the the benefit from that? And you know the the the, the people that are uh, you know working in these businesses the uh, that are you know really adapting to uh, you know the, the 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 best way of working that other people are doing the best out of it. Okay, okay, interesting. I saw I listened to a podcast actually. I think it was Stephen Bartlett and Simon Sinek. And they were talking about the subject of Gen Z, and um, and Simon was kind of putting forward this um, this this position where you know if you got people who jump around, sorry, my uh, screen just went off. I probably sorted my mic. So um, um, if you got people who jump around a lot, um, then actually after five years, they almost become unemployable because because I, I'll tell you one thing, our HR department. When we go out to, we've got a core of about four or five recruiters, and they all know we don't want a hoppy person. So if someone's hopped from job to job to job, we they don't even we don't even get the CV. Yeah. Now you know that in ninety nine percent of times it just means they move jobs. I mean you know if someone's been in a job for 10, 15 years and then they jump three or four times, they've just not found their place again. Do you know what I mean? But if you have someone starting their career and they've jumped around for five times in two or three years then you know what does that say to the employer who's about to go and spend i don't know five fifteen percent on a recruitment fee six months training you know what i mean it's a, it's a difficult situation so i think you're right though common sense will hopefully prevail you know and 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 and, and in, in that sort of situation okay so customer service then last question for you how is it changing? What's the what's the is the world looking for more customer service? I mean, one thing that that happened in the pandemic for property factors, and this came out, I think we even discussed it on a on a podcast, was the number of calls into factors went shooting up because people were at home, had more time on their hands to maybe notice things or or contact factors. I, I, I don't know if the, if this is a pre and post pandemic thing, but how is customer service changing in the in the industry? Yeah, so I think that this is the the, the big challenge, um, and this is something that companies like your own, Brian, are going to be helping with. Um, and I think that um, you know, when you so so so, so factoring, the, the nature of factoring is, as you know, is that it requires, um, in the majority of cases, particularly if there's major decisions to be taken, to involve the, the community. Um, so it, it's not. It, it differs distinctly because it's not a one-to-one. It doesn't always. It's not always a one-to-one direct contract with an individual person. So if you look at, um, I don't know, for example, uh, you know your, your your phone contract. If anyone still has a landline, right? So your uh, so you you your your phone line goes down. You contact your supplier. Uh, that gets logged. Uh, sometimes you go into an automated system, which is hilarious, and I love taunting them. I don't know if you do the same thing to CI. I think that's going to be a great thing in the future. Um, but anyway, um, but uh, you know, you, you go into a system there, and you know, m- most of that is taken care of, and you're told, you know, the the, the problem's been diagnosed. You know, uh, if an engineer's coming, 
and, and that's that's all you know and everything is automated so you see all that happening and all that coming i think there's a huge amount um that factors need to do in terms of the the communication about what's yeah. actually happening and i think a lot of that will come through technology yeah. uh, that will massively improve the, the customer experience because instead of you know waiting for the call back from the manager or you know, is the manager going to have time to email that back today to tell you what's going on? It'll be part of the process that, that yeah. you'll see that um, you'll see that happening. So, um, I think technology will 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 definitely help. So, do you think the industry should be doing more as a whole? And if so, what? Um, I think you would struggle to find. I, I suppose obviously you can always do a little bit more, but I think as an industry, the industry is quite proactive it does a lot of unforeseen work you know the the property managers association the kind of industry body are involved in every every other of the groups they're involved with scottish government groups under one roof you know irpm they're kind of spreading their wings to try and get the message across but i think um this historical baggage that we've talked about of the word factoring um you know that in itself is a difficult hurdle for getting the, the good message out there. Um, mm -hmm. And the only way we, we've been trying to promote recently is that needs to come from elsewhere. So that the message about factoring needs to come from other sources, whether it's RICS, IRPM, Scottish Government, MSPs, you know, focusing on the positive aspects of it, which far outweigh the negative aspects of it. Um, and I think if that's how the messaging goes um, and improves... I think that that will bring the industry not up to a better standard because I think it's at a good standard, but it will, it will bring the imagery of the the standard of the industry up. And I think that's, I don't think the industry as itself, you know, it's been regulated now for what, 11, 12 years. You yeah. know, the, the, the FTT complaint side of thing is very minimal. You know, yeah. most complaints that are received are for minor communication issues. You know, yeah. so... When you look at the bigger picture, it is a good industry filled yep. predominantly with good people, good companies doing good work. Um, you know, so I think the industry is doing pretty much as much as it can. Um, from my point of view, probably doing what I'm doing here is and flipping the flipping the story a little bit. You know, and looking at the positives more as an industry might help to, to develop that relationship a bit better. Okay, so I guess, you know, the last question, which I think you probably covered, actually, was more about are there any other solutions? But, I mean, is there anything else you want to add? Or Because I, I get the whole MSP. The other thing is, as well, you know, education from, you know, when you buy a property, you know, the, the person the person that's speaking to the person buying it is a solicitor as well. So, yeah. you know, educational through, through things like that as well. Do you think there's but anything else or do you think you've covered it? Probably collaboration, as you've talked about. Collaboration within all the faucets of, of, of the property industry, you know, yeah. state agency, letting agency, the law commission, you know, yeah. you know, planning, all of these all of these people speaking to each other and you know, fully understanding probably from the planning stage what's going to be involved in a development, you know, so that the, the planners understand it, then the developers understand it, then the builders understand it. Yeah. Then the selling agents understand it. The solicitors involved in the sales. So there's no, there is no surprises. Everyone's painted this picture of this is a building and this is what it will cost you as an owner moving forward. I think if that collaboration could be 
slicker. I think there is collaboration there, but I think if it could be slicker and yeah. uh, more noticeable to the the purchaser, I think that's that's probably the only thing that the only solution I could see that would probably better thing. It was a very simple. I just find customer service really simple, and I don't know if it's because of how I conduct myself as a human being, or whether it's something that was ingrained through you know, the minute I left uni. You go into your first job, it was customer service. You go into your second job, it was customer service. Third one was public sector. Back to customer service again. And um, I, I just find it very simple. And I get frustrated frustrated when I see, because it, the first, whenever I look at maybe a complaint that's come in, the first thing I'm looking at is just, is, it's just values. It's just yeah. understanding values. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an attitude and a mindset, isn't it? It's not, it's not, you know, but is it, I guess I, this is probably a conversation for another day. Is it something you can learn? Is it something you can innately want? Do you have to be built that you want to do it? Or is it yeah. something you can learn? Yeah, yeah. probably, well, probably well, something for another day. But You can you can learn, which takes longer. Yeah. You've either, as I said earlier on, I would take somebody from a customer service background and teach them property management because, I found it easier to teach them property management than, yeah. than, than customer service delivery and basic values in life. Yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 just, I just don't understand why you go into the service industry if you don't want to serve a customer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got you, got you. So what do you view as the biggest challenge in providing that good level of service? We might be about to re- repeat ourselves, but... Yeah, but there'll be a bit, a bit of repeat in there, but, you know, probably, probably a different... You know, I've had a lot of difficult conversations a lot of I've had difficult clients over the years people are just un, unfair and unreasonable in terms of but I think if you clearly state what it is you're going to deliver as a product to to, to your customer um, and you can point to that when the person's expectations go beyond that um, but we're going to go full circle right back to the very first question you asked me and that is you're, you're going to have to go through a bit of education every time as well, because especially the complexity surrounding freehold tenure and 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 your customer base fully understanding what their responsibilities and accountabilities are. Um, and then for me, it's more about how you deliver back when they're challenging you, or you know, you've got to be calm, you've got to be factual, you've got to be constructive. You've got to you've you've got to make sure you're not you're not making excuses. Um, Any time, I understand because sometimes when we, we when somebody raises something and we have fallen short, they'll have more respect for you if you actually put your hands in the air and say we've got this wrong. It might cost you money, but you'll probably make more money in the long run by 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 getting a reputation for being honest and transparent. Um, Communication is the biggest challenge as well because sometimes people won't communicate effectively or communicate at all sometimes. Um, yeah. And somebody can be left to their third email before they get a, a response. And I've had that from from um, from team members within our business as it currently stands. And, and, and that's, that either is trained out, disciplined out, or thrown out, yeah, <laughs> because right. it's it, it, it's just not acceptable by my standard, you know, by by my standards and the organisation standards. In fact, I had one the other day where it was a 
it was a, an old lady, an elderly lady who, who had been trying to contact um, us and finally get through. But she was frustrated, so she was a bit yeah. angry. Yeah. Um, so I ended up speaking to her, um, and I realised very quickly by speaking to her in a very, very calm tone, as she started to calm down, she, she started to highlight where her concerns, and then you could answer her questions, and then you could confirm that I'm going to write to you and confirm what we've just discussed. And that person walks away happy. And, and and then starts to a frustration start to drop. She then starts to speak to her neighbours about how she's had a better experience. We continue to deliver on that experience. You've got a happy customer and you've got a, a quieter site. It's, yeah. it's it's really not that difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I get it. I get it. And it, you know, I, we all drop the ball sometimes. But you've got to you've got to put your hand up. And I, I the one thing I cannot stand is people with sloping shoulders. Whatever you want to call it, where you know nothing, nothing sticks. You know, I, I just, you know, put your hand up if you remember saying, you know, just put your hand up and get on with it. You know, that's 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 my opinion. Going to go back to the quote I said before, Brian, and that that was a Walt Disney one. Do what you do so well, um, so they enjoy the experience and they come back the next time and bring their friends. Very yeah, simple. very true, very true. So. Um, what are both of you doing or, or both of your organizations doing to raise awareness of what the property factors role is and what the flat owner stroke landlord's role is? Who's going to take that one? Well, um, I mean, I'll kind of kick off. Um, I, I think, you know, HRIL is a, a relatively young um, organization. We were launched in 2017 um, and we're a subsidiary for, for Albine Housing Society, who is a very mature organization. And we provide that property facts and letting services. And we also do, you know, our, you know, the low income um, first time buyers and shared equity sales okay. um, across the Highlands. Um, I think Laura will probably um, like to say more about, you know, what, what we do. Uh, to educate our customers and about the landlord. Okay, Laura. Yeah, thank you, Audrey. I think in our sort of daily engagements with our new, existing, and current owners and sharing owners, it's our job to give the customers as much information as possible. Um, you know, written statement of service, welcome packs, the compliance side of it. Um, we've got information on our website. But we find customers will phone or email us about specific questions about their developments or queries. And each call can be an opportunity for us to share the information. The team yeah. uh, sort of share and log the information um, with each other um, and keep that information relevant so that we've got staff who know what they're talking about. So qualified staff. Um, within the IRPM, we've got staff who's recently been through their lettings qualification, and we've got seconded staff um, who, okay. you know, who have an opportunity to um, upgrade or develop within their roles as well. Okay, understand. I mean, education—it's one of those challenges within within property factoring. Because, in fact, I just had this experience recently. My my son, who is uh, twenty. Um, um, and in the army, has just bought his first flat, and um, and you know, I've I've been in this industry supplying software factors for 
um, for many, many, many years. CPL has been going for 13, but I was doing it for probably about 12 before then. He would think he knows what his dad does for a living, but he obviously doesn't because, because he wasn't that well educated in it, you know. So it's that whole first time buyer, um, you know, trying to make sure they understand, but also. The other one, and this has come up on a number of, not necessarily in the Explorers um, version of the podcast, but podcast previously, is it's the downsizers as well, who are mm-hmm. kind of that that that. Those are the two kind of demographics who are hitting or coming across factors who have not come across them before. Yeah, yeah. I think with what we do within. Um, So we also do the lift, so low-income first-time buyers and the shared equity. Um, We have a real connection within our department. So when it's a property that is being sold within Highland Residential and it's being factored by Highland Residential, there's much more of an interlinking um, and team mentality to make sure that information sharing is there. Um, You know, out with that, you know, there's only so much that you control within the factoring um, you know, making sure knowledge is power and sharing the information. But, you know, the when it's done in-house, so to speak, it's yeah. much more easier to control that that sharing yeah. of information. Yeah, no, no, I would get that absolutely because because obviously say, Fraser, my my youngest, is, he's he's bought from a developer. Do you know what I mean? The, I'm not suggesting all developers would not tell respective buyers about factors but you know they want to sell a flat you know what i mean the factoring side of things is a is a is a necessary evil if you like or a necessary a necessary service someone else is giving okay um do you think the industry should be doing more um as an industry um all factors I, I think, um, you know, I think for me, you know, the websites are great, isn't it? I mean, the Property Factors website, you know, the Under One Roof, Citizens Advice, even the Scott Gov website, they all have great information for, for landlords and, and owners. Um, and, you know, when you read these and if people had the time to go through all, all of them, you know, they get great sources of information. Um, and you would you would hope that owners in Scotland will be aware of, you know, the legislation and, and what they can expect from, you know, any sort of property management and stuff. But for, for me, I think social media is, you know, as a way to cut across that. I mean, people want kind of instant answers, don't they? Um, so social media help podcasts like this one. Um, I think, though, sometimes the only thing I would say is that maybe the podcasts or social media, I think we aim them at the industry to, to make sure we're all aware and, and got up to the information, but maybe there's there's some room in there to um, help our customers and, and do podcasts, you know, and things like that specifically for them. Um, I, I, I was, it was lovely to hear you say about about your son and him becoming an owner. My son's twenty, and he became a renter. Um, and again, uh, uh, you know, uh, this is b- before he he came into the industry, and he just he didn't have a clue. And I was thinking, how how is that possible that he's actually moved out and renting somewhere, and he, I don't know how he's going to manage. But I kind of always wonder about that developer or lawyer education and, and you know, um, we'll all have been there if you bought your first house. You couldn't care less what the lawyer was saying. You just wanted your keys. Yeah. So I, 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 and you're maybe not taking it in. So I do think that the particularly in the property factors, that legislation about having that welcome pack within that four weeks, because maybe then you've calmed down and you would actually have a look at it. Um, I know we've taught me and Laura have talked about doing something like a video 
that you get a wee link into, a, you know, someone's smartphone and they can look at a video about, you know, um, how useful that would be to kind of watch the highlights or the key points. Because I tend to think that people might might like that instantaneous level of information. And then if they want to know more, they can they can go and look. But getting them to know the key things would be important, I think. Finding good people, not easy, right? Relationship with client, it's all about relationships, isn't it? Okay, ability as well, it's all about relationship. Mm -hmm. So if you build the culture, the right culture within your business where people want to stay mm -hmm. and they stay for 10, 15 years or whatever and, and beyond, then you know, you're, you're, you, that, that relationship stays intact and there's continuity and then therefore mm -hmm. losing losing business is, a, um, is, is, is much less prevalent then. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's like I say, there's there's staff that are all multiple, multiple staff that have gone over ten years service. They've known each other a long, long time. You know, they build a rapport, as you said, with each other, and you know that means they can bounce off each other. That means they can help with issues, and ultimately, as a firm, it means then that we're hopefully providing a better service because we've got that uniform way forward. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, we had a conversation with Malcolm Perryman from the Property Institute and Zoe Southwell from Block Recruit around um, a podcast that they did and, a, and, and a, uh, I think they did it at a conference. Um, and it was all about, and there's also a, uh, a survey that comes out of the Property Institute every year about how property managers are feeling and, and, and you know, and, and, and all of these sort of things. And there was some things came out of that, like, um, you know, people wanted to work at home, um, you know, the top three things people were looking for within a role and all of these sort of things. And and did you did you manage to listen to it? Did you get any comments? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the main points I saw, the, the working from home, um, obviously we were all, our hands were, we were forced <laughs> into it at one point from COVID. Um, we still operate what we would call, still call it a hybrid workspace where we um, we do have staff that work from home um, at times and through laptops and phones. They're all connected constantly. Um, we're obviously progressing with the, the cloud-based thing, so we're completely mobile then. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think there, there's definitely a change in, um, even in the sort of time I've been involved, there's definitely a, a change in the, the feeling around firms, I believe, and obviously I'm speaking primarily from McPhee's point of view, but, um, you know, the, they talked about the the perception of the old guard, really, who were the, the hierarchy. They were almost feared uh, in their offices with their, their suits on and it's and Mr. Welsh this and Mr. Bruce that. And that's very much not the case at McPhee anyway. And I think it's moving away from that across the other firms as well, where it's more of an open door policy, a bit more of a, uh, you know, a, a collective group, you know, solution we're looking for, I know, and it's um, being able to feed off of each other. I mean, um, yeah. we've got properties where you mentioned John. John's been a property manager at our firm. You know, he was there doing it 15, 20 years ago, and he'll remember those properties, and he'll be able to help you with context for things yeah. as well. So it's having that, you know, in the past, I would imagine there was more a, a fear of, oh, I can't go and ask him, he's the managing partner, because didn't do that it's very much open door now it's you know uh part of it and you can come and go and have a chat about nonsense but also work as well and it's not quite as um restrictive as it i think it used to be and i've seen a wee bit of a change just even in my time um but yeah very much the flexible working environment 
both in office and literally outside of office as well. But I agreed yeah. with what you said about that. You know, it's definitely moving in that way. Yeah, I think yeah, you're right. I mean, we have we have conversations about this in our office a lot. I mean, I'm 53, so I wouldn't consider myself the old guard. Maybe people would, but but you know what I mean. I, I would welcome someone challenging me or asking me any question, and you know, and people do. You know, I mean, um, you know, if I say something that people someone doesn't agree with in this organization, then that you know they they tell me, you know, mm-hmm. and and, yeah. and I guess. And I guess that's culture. Whereas, you know, I, I mean, you're you're too young to remember this, but you know, culture was not a word that anybody mentioned to me in my twenties. Yeah, mm-hmm. and never was it a conversation that we had. And in fact, I remember having a boss once where um, we'd won this bit of business, and it was a really, really good bit of business and quite an exciting thing as well. It's quite. Um, I'm not going to call myself sad when working in IT, getting excited about IT, but I was quite excited about this project, yeah? And I went up to my boss at the time. I said, oh, wow, we've won this bit of business, and that's fabulous. How are we going to do this? And how are we going to do that? And how are we going to do the next thing? And he threw the file across the table and went, you do it. You just do it. I'm like, I just asked you a question. You know what I mean? I just mm-hmm. asked you. And it's like, that just doesn't exist now. Well, it may mm-hmm. exist. I hope it doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, but you know what I mean? It's that I, I would... I mean, I, I don't know if it's a power thing or or what it is. As far as I'm concerned, you you surround yourself with people who are better than you because because that's the only way you're going to get on. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, I mean, team building and things like that back in the day, I doubt were a, a thing either. You know, it's you know, um, pinstripe suit, shirt and collar. You know, with a tie up, with a briefcase, and it's you know, it's very much more of a relaxed atmosphere. Certainly, our firm I think it sounds like yours is the same, and it's yeah. you know, it's welcome debate and welcome discussion because you know you're all like working towards the same goal so yeah it's definitely from their chat i i took that mainly uh, the, the differences there were very much that the the changing of the old guard to the the more modern way of doing things i think we talked to malcolm perryman um for the property institute and zoe Southwell from block recruit now this was after the survey because with malcolm beyond before so quite the survey and also i think they did a they did a session at the last arm of, um, conference on the kind of results and talking about these sort of things. And, and there were a couple of things that came out of that. And, and this is not obviously 100%, but there was a likelihood that employers in this sector were probably as grey-haired as I am, probably my age or older, um, but they are and male but their employees and the people that the average property manager um, was 30s female. So there was a kind of disparity maybe between how those kind of two um, people spoke to each other. But also there was a bit of a disparity in the survey. The, the, the kind of top three things that benefits in a business, um, one was pension, Okay, it's not really a benefit these days because it's mandatory almost. Um, um, professional, paying for someone's professional um, membership and paying for training. So those are seen as the kind of top three um, things that are provided. But the top three things that people actually wanted were more holidays, flexible working, and not flexible working in that saying you can come in, come in on a Tuesday and Thursday and don't come in. You know, flexible working as in employee chooses. And the third thing was bonus, yeah. 
So there was a bit of a disparity between those things. Any views on, and this, I guess, is is this a reason people leave and some people have a 50% churn rate? Is this, a, is this the reason one out of five jobs is vacant? Yeah. I don't know what your view on that is. Um, I'd struggle to link the, the those notions to statistics. Mm-hmm. But clearly, um, flexible working, people want to come into the office for a bit. They want to see each other. It's a, it's a healthy thing, a bit of human interaction. Yep. But where they have a home circumstances permit, because not everybody has. I'm very lucky. I have a spare bedroom and I've turned it into an office and I've got a great working environment. Not everybody has that. Yeah. When you perch on a kitchen table, especially when the kids come home and need to do their homework or have a clatter around, it becomes a difficult working environment. So yeah. I think it's different for different people. Yeah. Um, one of the um, uh, uh, sort of macro trends of this com- uh, country is that we tend to some extent, perhaps to a lesser extent, to follow the United States. And if you look at American realtors uh, in so many things, thankfully not everything, but uh, we haven't uh, we haven't had somebody wearing horns marching up Downing Street yet. But um, the uh, give it time. Um, the if you look at the American realtors, um, they, there's, you get a, a, a strong bias towards uh, women working in that sector. Yeah. And the American culture is one where the work-life balance is very blended. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think it's healthy. It's not very compartmentalized. But you will have, um, and this, this this is very gender stereotypical. It kind of implies that the women look after the kids while the blokes go off and do hero things, but which, is, which of course, is nonsense. Uh, but historically, it's come from a base where the, 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 the woman was able to build her job and, and organize her life around her family first. Okay. So the kids need these things and then, and then maybe do a viewing in the evening, for example. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, there's a, it, it, it provided, it's, it, it's a slightly anarchic system. Um, it's very commission driven. So yeah. nobody's watching, nobody's watching the clock. It comes down to, you know, to that person has got to perform, get those sales. Um, but it allowed that uh, individual to have flexibility to integrate their life and their needs and their family with the work that they were doing. Um, and that, that works to the benefit of everybody. Um, so there's a, the, the, the flexibility piece I don't think is going to go away. Yep. And I think a recognition that people have families and lives um, is, uh, and you know, something you may be carer, a carer or something like that. Um, where the industry is able to flex around those, I think industry will benefit. Yeah. Um, and um, but there is a there is a need to get back in the office and see folk from time to time as well. Definitely, um, socially as much as anything else. We 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 have a, a thing where we just get together every Tuesday Thursday morning um, on on uh, Zoom, and everybody piles in just for you know potentially sometimes it's ten minutes, sometimes it's half an hour. Um, and it's a good time to be able to communicate across the team, yep. um, working virtually. But also, I make a point of talking nonsense. You know, there's this, and having chatter, um, and it may be about football or somebody's dog or you know, somebody's gone hang gliding or whatever it is. But it's important to spare a bit of time. Yeah. In in what what you know those those online things often tend to be quite structured and formal. Yeah. Uh, it's good to just go off piece and talk nonsense for a bit because that's what you do around the kettle in the office. Yeah. That's what you do when just leaning around a desk and having a chat with you with your, with your colleagues. So 
So I, I like to um, uh, I like to run a, a thread of informality through it and, and, and you know, let everybody um, uh, be, you know, spend a bit of time on it socially as well. What I would have you know instantly thought is right when they're going to do it at the, at the very end of the the tool you get a digital maturity score so All right. one to hundred. Uh, and I thought, you know, that they're going to jump up quite a bit in terms of their score. Uh-huh. But, but in reality, they were, you know, they were actually coming out very similar to what they had in the beginning. Okay. And, I, and the more I looked into it and spoke about it, it was actually because now organisations are actually more digital savvy. They under, they're understanding the questions a lot better. Yeah. And they've got a bit of a... I guess it's a more honest sense of where they are, of where they want to be. Uh, so with that in mind, we're actually looking at a digital checkup 2.0. Uh, I don't think it's going to be called digital checkup. I'm kind of I'm going down that route of maybe digital savviness or readiness too. So this, yeah, it's, it's actually more about going past that the digital transformation piece and now into kind of it's almost a thinking about that kind of that checklist or readiness factor that you have to deal with i suppose it's you know it's like that kind of volatile or unknown situation a bit like the pandemic if if your organization has the tools in place you're going to be able to adapt and be agile in those situations that that come up, you know, it could be a, a cyber attack or something like that. It's it's about creating a state of readiness as well, I think, now. So that's 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 the exciting thing that I'm I'm hoping to work on this year. So it was a very, very long, long answer for a <laughs> short question there, but I, I hope that gives a little bit of insight into just what we really want the, the tool to to become. And we're actually working internationally with a Dutch housing associations now right. uh, to try and do a kind of wider uh, a wider scope of actually you know that we're looking at the Scottish housing sector but what can we learn from another housing sector in another country and how do they benchmark against against the Scottish ones and these sort of things yeah. well th- th- this is this is where what we're trying to do because it's we've got one set of benchmark yeah. uh, factors here that aren't quite the same uh, as to what they do over there. But interestingly, the, the Dutch federations do uh, a benchmarking on costs as well. So that one's really interesting. So they're able to calculate the, the cost per house effectively, uh, you know, a, a per unit of stock for each housing association. Say your IT spend per house is X, which is very interesting. It is. But I suppose the one challenge with that is that just thinking about it is does it mean there's a base cost for IT, isn't it? So if you're a very small housing association, then that might be slightly skewed, yeah, as to but if you if you if you do it um if you do it like for like on sizes and number of houses in each of those housing associations, I guess that could work quite well. Yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> I could we might have to have a separate conversation about this because it's not but uh, yeah the I'm actually, we're, we're trying to find out a model that takes into account for the scale and size of an organisation. 
Uh, we're looking at uh, what I would call as the, those kind of common factors that, that will always be re represented. And then those those kind of uh, the, the factors that are actually a bit more uh, ambiguous as to what they, you know, they, they're going to have different relevance to different sizes of organisations. So you've hit the nail on the head. We're looking at those, you know, it's that the, the tenants, the, the the number of staff, the houses that they actually uh, own, so that there is a, a relative scale as to how much you you should be spending or shouldn't be. Yeah. Okay. Got you. Got you. Got you. Okay. Um. So, <laughs> moving on past that, could we could talk about Brown? Um. How is the shift to digital automation going in the housing association sector? How do you see it? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I I probably touched on it a little bit uh, in the the previous question we spoke about that. That there is, I would say, you now a better understanding across the sector of what digital and IT actually means. Uh, prior prior to the pandemic, a lot of organisations and senior staff felt it was just, you know, it, it was that it was that single single system that sat in a server. Whereas yeah. nowadays, the, the the you know, I, I actually just a, a kind of little side story, but we done something internally in our organisation. We sat down in a facilitated sessions with all staff from top to bottom and said, you know, I'm gonna let's let's start really simply here. Tell me everything that you do that has a digital endpoint or something that needs to to have, you know, whether it's a device or if it's a process. And and it kind of it, it started that base level realization that actually pretty much everything we do has a digital or IT connection. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's the sense that organizations across the, the housing sector are now realizing, you know, it's it's about data, it's about customer engagement, it's yeah. about uh, all those kind of internal communications, it's about the actual the, the processes and, and then the the automation, like you say, that it's it's all becoming a a, a, a kind of much wider uh, web, I guess. And for me, the automation piece, I would say, over overall, that that our sector is slightly behind the curve. Right. Okay. Uh, and I would say that because we are. Uh, th there's quite a few legacy systems in place that, that seem to be really holding back housing associations in terms of that digital piece. They're, 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 they're struggling to see past that a bit. Uh, when we talk about uh, uh, the membership, uh, just to put it into perspective, around it's around 60% of our members are of a, a small to medium size. So there's only a kind of small bracket that are uh, of a scale that they will have, you know, for example, a kind of large internal IT team. So essentially, I'm I'm that guy that gives you a call on a on a Tuesday morning. That's the last thing you want. <laughs> you just come out of a meeting, and there I am on the other end of the phone. Um, but essentially, I'm looking at uh, introducing new business to CPL, uh, and also communicating our existing customers to make sure that they're making full use of our. Full product suite, essentially. Okay. Okay. And so how has the past few months been? It's been really good. Like you said, I feel like we've we've hit the ground running with the role. Um, it's been 
fascinating kind of speaking to existing customers, learning about what has been beneficial for them since using CPL, uh, but also speaking to you know new sectors or new um, companies that we haven't communicated with massively in the past and understanding where CPL can fit in with their current operation. And so it's been a, it's been a, a learning experience. I'm new to the industry. Uh, and so for me, it's just been a case of trying to soak up as much information as possible. And uh-huh. um, so I can start to regurgitate that when people start asking me questions that maybe I wouldn't have known six months ago. Yeah. <laughs> Good. No, no. And, that, and that's the way it has been. We've been on a few demos together, actually. In fact, we seem to be happy doing demos all the time. Um, and, you know, it is like that because, it, you know, the, the the market is quite varied, you know, the, yeah. and people's pain points are quite varied as well. So, Definitely. You know, it's just about finding finding a solution for that. Okay, so it's been conference season for us lately. So we've done Arma in London a few weeks ago. We've just had Property Managers Association yeah. Scotland. Uh, we've got a couple of other housing association ones coming up before the end of the year. Um, how did you find them? And I guess, what, did, what were your takeaways? So... Starting with the ARM conference, it was, I think, to describe it in a couple of words, eye-opening. Yeah. I think um, to look at the industry down in England, Wales, and Northern Ireland and understand where people's thoughts lie with the current solutions and where their challenges lie, I think it was quite an exciting, eye-opening experience for us. Yeah. Um, I think CPL is offering quite a lot to, to clients north of the border. Um, but we haven't really understood how much relevance that carries down south. And so going to the ARMA conference and speaking to you know people in various different companies and understanding that, well, actually, we've, we've got something here that is potentially going to be game-changing for them uh-huh. was really, really exciting. Uh, and so I think for us, uh, it was really valuable to go and speak to those people. I would entirely agree with that, of course. In terms of the PMAS, again, it was it was fantastic to meet quite a few of our existing customers, mm-hmm. uh, and that was a, maybe a little bit disconcerting from my perspective because everybody knows us, but I'm not sure <laughs> everybody else is. There was a lot of squinting, looking at badges as people came over, uh, but on the most part, everybody was really friendly. And it was fantastic to kind of meet um, the customers that we've currently got, and um, and again, learning about what CPL's done for them, and, and you know how we can incorporate some of the new products that are being developed into their current operation and, and kind of take things even further than, than they are now. Yeah. I always find it a wee bit um, disconcerting at these things because I do, I've, I mean, I've not done it for since the beginning of the year, but I used to do a lot of kind of LinkedIn videos and these sort of things. Mm. And um, and obviously I do podcasts and we were at the conference. One of our sponsors came up and said, oh, I, I listened to your podcast. Mm. I don't know why, but I instantly went, Okay, <laughs> um, but um, but it was quite it was quite interesting to get feedback on that from them. Yeah, um, which was which was very positive. There's no request for uh, an autograph then. <laughs> there was, but it just started taking the piss. So um, so yeah. So but I actually met a few people who we've not had on as well, and you know, so we we interview well, interview wide range of people on this, but one of the places we've not really we've done a couple of kind of people who work into the industry as contractors. We've not done a, a huge amount of that. So we found another two that we could do um, from PMAS, which was which was really, really interesting. Yeah. But I, I think that the biggest one for me is when someone walks up to me and says, hi, Brian, how are you? How's Arthur? And I go, 
yeah, okay, I don't know who you are. Yeah. I don't know if that's <laughs> I've not met you before, or because uh, uh, because I'm getting older, my memory is going. So, um, so yeah, that's always a bit of a, a bit of a one for me. And I and I thought as well. I mean, again, like I said, this is a new industry for me, and it very much felt like there was a sense of community within the Property Managers Association. And obviously, you're particularly well known, um, but it, it very much felt like. Um, Everybody's quite friendly. Everybody knows one another. Um, and it's a very collaborative environment. We're looking yeah. at solutions on a whole as an industry rather than kind of keeping things to ourselves and not you know, making anybody privy to that information, which I think is quite refreshing from, from my standpoint, definitely. Mm-hmm.